The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Nebraska Preps postgame with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla. That's the big voice, guys. Jacob Padilla joining me for another week of Nebraska Preps postgame. We try not to always be in the same places so we can give you a lot of variety. Uh, mission accomplished early in the week, not so much later in the week as we both spent time in Grand Island. Man, how was the week? It, it was a good one. Obviously, there were some pretty big matchups during the week leading into uh, the, the weekend in the Heartland Hoops Classic. Uh, so we got to see uh, some good performances, some teams kind of uh, prove that they belong where they are uh, at the top of the standings, and then got a full day of hoops on Saturday. Yeah, it's interesting. Let's hop over. Let's start in B just for a second because the interesting thing about Class B is Scud has clearly established themselves as – they're almost two full wild card points ahead of number two, which almost, which you'll almost never see. It's so Humphrey okay. Humphrey and Lindsay Holy Family, the only other undefeated team, isn't even in first place in yeah. our class in <laughs> point standings, <laughs> and had another impressive win though. Yeah. Um, so sticking with Scott here for a little bit, what are the challenges? Do you think for those guys is they've clearly become their own benchmark and have a little bit of ways to go till that second weekend in March. Yeah, um, I I think at this point, though, with the, kind of the record you have, and they've got some veterans on there, I think that they, they, they want to go for perfection, the, uh, sweep, uh, yeah, sweep the season. And um, obviously, you know they're they're gonna they're gonna be okay. Uh, they're gonna be just fine for the state tournament. But you still you want to be playing well going into the postseason. You want to you don't have any slip ups. And I think after last year losing the way they did going down. Um, uh, earlier than I think they they, they were expecting. Uh, I think they're coming back. Uh, they've got a few starters back from that team, some important pieces. So I, I, I think they'll be just fine motivation-wise. Um, anything else kind of in B between the – has Ron Colley established himself? Because we really haven't seen enough of Scott's bluff. Bennington's ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw with this schedule. Is there starting to be a little separation there for you, or are you still thinking matchups until you get to Scott? Yeah, I think Ron Colley feels pretty good there uh, at number two. I was there uh, on, on Tuesday when they hosted Bennington, and that I mean Bennington was up up by one uh, at the end of the third quarter, and then Ron Colley just kind of turned it up and nineteen ten in the fourth quarter, and defensively they held they held Bennington four twelve shooting. Uh, with four turnovers, and Ron Colley, they hit some big-time shots. They had guys step up. Three guys scored all their points in the fourth. It was uh, Austin Schwartz, Quincy Evans, and, of course, Jake Orr. And I like, I looked uh, – I had their uh, coach send me their stats for the season, and I had no idea how good of a season that Schwartz has been having this yeah, year. Kind he, of been he, the hidden gem. He was actually leading the- them in scoring slightly ahead of Orr on ridiculous shooting percentages, like 60-plus inside the arc, 40% from three. A uh, good rebounder for a guard. He didn't have a big game uh, in uh, in that game against Bennington. Didn't only like two points through the first three quarters, but he had fit, uh, five 
uh, in the fourth, a big three-pointer. Uh, Quincy Evans had really struggled, then came alive in the in the fourth with seven points, and then Jake Orr made, made some big plays. He had 17 uh, points, 11 rebounds, four assists, three steals, and a block. Just another day at the office for Orr. Shout out to the dad that I saw at uh, the Bakers on 90th and Fort. I had to make a quick stop. It's kind of over by my mom's house who told me, we were talking about the wrong backcourt mate at <laughs> Omaha, Ron Colley, that Schwartz has kind of been the guy yeah. that has quietly held it down for them. So he'll be, and again, we appreciate the listen, uh, he'll be happy to know that you brought him yeah. up unsolicited because you and I, I, never, I didn't say a word before we yeah. sat down to talk about it. But, yeah, he wanted to remind me that um, while Orr gets all the headlines, he's got a pretty good teammate. Yeah, and I – that's, that's what I want to see, because obviously some of those teams that you don't get to see the numbers for uh, as easily, and uh, that I, I had only seen them play twice this year. So I, I, I kind of wanted to, to get a better idea of how they've been doing all season long. Honestly, I, I thought that Orr would uh, be mo- more towards like closer to 18, 20 a game this season, just based on what they have coming back and his talent level. But he's he's been Mr. Do-Everything. He's uh, only about 13 a game, but... Bunch of rebounds, bunch of assists, bunch of steals. Uh, he's just kind of stuffing the stat sheet, and you've got uh, Schwartz there just being so efficient w- with his scoring opportunities. So it's a heck of a one-two punch, and um, they- they've got obviously a- other good pieces to kind of round out at that lineup. But those two set the tone for sure. How'd you separate uh, Bennington from Lincoln Christian and Bennington from Ron Colley? Like kind of when you're watching them, trying to assess where they belong, kind of in that next group. Yeah, so they they bounced back a uh, 68-61-58 win over uh, Lincoln Christian. So not necessarily uh, a dominant performance, but they did get the win. They're fifteen and five now. We we talked about how difficult their schedule has been recently. Uh, all, all those losses are basically to the the top teams for the most part. Um, I, I think they're the, that three three four five there. Uh, I think that's a. Uh, you could probably lump those teams into a tier there with Scott Spleff, Bennington, and Platteview. Where do you think Bennington goes outside of Holtz? Uh, that's that is a question. It's kind of a it's who is going to be on in that given game because Seth Wempen is capable, Trey Bird is capable, Isaac Connor can have uh, some, some big games there, uh, and then Dylan Kessert, uh just with his size, uh, if they get the right matchups, he can he can be a factor as well. So um, I, I think it's kind of a game-by-game game situation there, and that's part of, uh, I, I think, what hurt him against Bennington, or against Ron Colley, is they just didn't really have anybody that was going in the fourth quarter. It was all holds, and the shots weren't falling for him. So, um, th- that is kind of the question there. It's a solid, solid five, and the problem with, with Holtz is, he get, so many of his shots are tough. Yeah, like, he's a tough shot yep. maker. Yep. So, if that's your best look, um, I mean, even even really good players on, on difficult shots, like the percentage isn't going to be that great compared to uh, some other looks. So um, they definitely do, I think, need somebody to step up and get easy buckets in the big moments, and they weren't able to do that against Ron Colley. But that's not easy against a team like them with the length and athleticism that they have. When So if, if you're Scott and you're kind of playing against being your own benchmark, you talked about chasing – Perfection. I think Coach Jay keeps his foot on the gas when you're not playing. That's kind of a unique challenge. Do you like kind of their makeup to keep uh, them their the, the, themselves motivated? You know what I mean? Because 
That's a degree of difficulty sometimes unto itself. You know, Westside kind of ran into it a couple of years ago with Peyton and Haberman and those guys where the schedule got a little light. You're playing against perfection. And, you know, then they ran into Millard South in the playoffs, and you know, all of a sudden you got to turn it back on again. And, and it was touch and go. I mean, Millard South was a really good team a couple of years ago. And, I mean, do you see some unique challenges in there, or do you just think just the way that they're built and chasing perfection like you alluded to earlier, that would be enough to sustain? And the good thing is they do have two games this week. So you, it's not like where you've got all week thinking about one game. you you gotta, you got to go play on Tuesday, and then you play again on Thursday. So it's a couple of different things you can focus. All right, we got a couple of days here. Let's focus in on this game, all right, and then turn around. All right, let's focus in on this game. Um, I think the, the, the way the schedule played out like that is going to lend itself to them kind of, all right, next task, next task, let's keep moving forward. And then obviously you get into uh, the postseason play with sub-districts and everything. Do you, do you, are you a fan of sub-districts? Uh, I honestly, I, I don't really know. I don't feel strong about one way or the other. Um, I mean, I've seen it with both in B. Obviously, the lower classes have been uh, doing been it doing it for yeah. Um, so it, it's okay. Like I uh, ultimately, you, you just got to go earn it. There'll sometimes there will be teams left out that probably were good enough to make it. Sometimes you'll see a, a surprise team make the field, like we saw with Blair last year. Uh, yeah, that but, was some run. <laughs> yeah, but ultimately, just go, either way, whether it's just pure districts or the sub-district that, that we have now, you got to go win your games. And uh, whoever get, ends up there in the tournament will have earned it. Um, before we get over to A, let me, let me, let me hop over. Go well, ahead. Uh, probably worth mentioning uh, for Platteview, sitting there at number 5, 17-6. Another ho-hum 46-point game for Connor Milliken uh, against D.C. West. Uh, on the road, 19 of 30 from the field, th- 3 of 7 from 3, 5 of 6 from the line. So, again, it's not that him getting crazy hot from 3. It's not him getting a free throw line a ton. He's just going to work inside the arc. And 12 boards, 4 steals. Uh, just, again, another another home game for, for Milliken. You know, it's interesting just have watching him played for so long. He's almost become more efficient as he's gotten older, which is kind of a scary thought because it used to just be about the athleticism. And, you know, he had a little more creativity than most of the people that he was playing against. And he's, But his, his competitiveness and his willingness to kind of understand his body, you only get one 40-some minutes in a game or 32 minutes in a game. Like, he's become a lot more efficient with what he's doing, which is kind of a scary thought. Yeah, and – Again, we're seeing these big games. It's he's figured out just, and, and Coach Brodsky has figured out the the best way to put him in situations where, hey, go do you. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do our best to kind of get, get you the right matchups, get you the opportunities to where you can go. And again, thirty shots in a game, fifty five earlier in the season, forty six here, a steady twenty five plus a game. Um, they they're they're content. Like that team is in uh, is kind of weaponized him fully and allowed him to just go out and do everything that he wants to do. Yeah, so Scott's Bluff sitting at three, Bennington at four, Platteview at five, Beatrice at six. And uh, Scott's Bluff, they they did lose last week, a tough one, 79-81 in overtime against North Platte. So, I mean, um, kind of higher class team there. So it's not not a big loss. And they bounce back with a 13-point win at McCook. Um, so that that's a good win for them. McCook's been having a good season. Yeah, they close yeah. out with Sydney and Gehring road trip. So they're sitting there at 16 and 5 uh, with uh, kind of, I think they're probably feeling pretty good. That's a tough loss, but to, to bounce back in that way and take care of probably your next best competition out there um, was a good sign for them. So safe to say, you, Scott won, 
by themselves. Then Roncalli, Scottsbluff, Bennington, Platteview. Is Beatrice going that next, that middle sandwich tier or the tier down that starts with Waverly? They're at number six right now in, in the coaches' poll. It's, it, but they've only played 17 games. Oh. They're 12 and five. And uh, they just, I mean, they, they beat GI Northwest by nine. So not, I mean, seeing Northwest on, uh, on Saturday and what Ashland Greenwood did to them, um, that, uh, you kind of wonder there. And, but Ash, they, Ashland out. Greenwood appears to be hitting on all cylinders. Yeah. Uh, Beatrice closing out with Plasmith and then Waverly, though. So that'll be a big one on Thursday to kind of answer that question about what that hierarchy looks because Waverly sitting there at 14-7. and They're they're right behind him at number seven in the NEB Preps coaches poll. Uh, They they beat Hastings last week, and they beat Gross last week. So they're closing. That Beatrice game is Waverly's last of of the regular season. Then you got McCook at eight. They said just kind of lost to Scottsbluff, but but beat Gearing before, and they close out with Cozad. Feel comfortable uh, before we get to A. You know, and I know Auburn just lost to um, the, the 43-42 game to Lincoln Lutheran. And I don't know where you like Auburn in that pecking order, but with Kearney Catholic and, and Ashland, and it's a loaded C1. We've been talking about this forever. Do you have a favorite yet? <laughs> so I have not yet seen Kearney Catholic I have seen Ashland Greenwood, Wahoo, seen Wahoo, seen Auburn. Yeah. So uh, we've seen two, three, four. Yeah. I, have you seen and Wayne? Because I have not. I have not seen Wayne. Um, so seen four of the top six right now in, in the coaches poll. Um, so they, they've all, I mean, so I haven't like seen. If you ask, like if you yeah. ask me just having seen two, three, and four. So Ashland Greenwood, Wahoo, Concordia. I, st- I think Ashland Greenwood, they're two. I still don't know between Wahoo and Concordia though. That that so yeah, Wahoo's in there at three at nineteen and two. Concordia's four at seventeen and three. And the thing about Concordia that they have is the, the combination of size and backcourt play, and uh, particularly shooting. Like Carson Masson and Zach Kalous are tough shot makers. I like Kalous. Um, those guys, and occasionally they'll, they'll take some tough ones and kind of get you out of it. <laughs> it, it was uh, it was pretty funny. So where we were sitting, we were kind of behind that bench, and Coach Kalous was uh, kind of in the fourth quarter. They had had the lead uh, on Saturday, and he was like, it, "It's pro- it, like we're good now. It's not going to matter." But under no circumstances. Do you go out there and chuck? Mm-hmm. Like he's just telling me, do not, do not take a long shot here. Like we're, we're layups, free throws. Like it was just, it was just funny that it's kind of the emphasis he put on it because like, he knows his kids. Like, yeah, these guys like to like to to, to get some shots up. So uh, it was just kind of a funny moment. But they've got with the size inside with their seniors, uh, both six six and uh, Justin Allen and Zach Alherthy, and then sophomore six nine Quentin McCafferty mm-hmm. came off the bench and played really well on Saturday. Um, that that was a really impressive game for me. I, I I remember seeing McCaffrey last year. It was like, who's this big kid? But wasn't wasn't really in the rotation. Didn't really do anything when I saw them play. Uh, they had some other seniors, and but uh, he can be a difference maker at that size, the ability to catch and finish, and bringing that off the bench in, in C one uh, to go with kind of the, those those guards in the backcourt. So that's what I was going to kind of ask you about with with Wahoo though, because. They have seven guys that play 17 minutes or more. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty good depth. Yeah, and I think Benji Nelson's been really coming on strong over the second half of the season. He's kind of 
evened out his uh, performance a little bit, and it's been more steady, uh, more consistent. Obviously, we know what what Marcus Glock is capable of. Uh, and, Simon and leads Hancock. him in assists. I mean, it's, Owen Hancock, I think, will probably be the key for them. Like he's very capable of being their best player in any given game. Yeah, plays the he next just, most minutes. He just hasn't necessarily behind Glock. Yeah, he just hasn't. I don't know that he's been that consistent this year. Ahead of Grand Jeanette. I, I, yeah, I, I think so. He's he's their most talented player with his ability to hit shots. He's, he's a good passer. He can go crash, crash the glass when he wants to. Um, so I think he's a guy that will really set the tone and kind of establish their ceiling. Um, is If you've got Glock and and uh, Hancock both going, then that's a really tough duo to deal with. And then they've got the length with, with uh, Nelson coming off the bench with Grand Jeanette, who can rebound pretty well. Um, so they don't nec- they're, they're kind of more of a five out of – um, everybody kind of um, yeah. handles the ball a little bit versus Concordia where you've got the size and then the two shooters in the backcourt. Um, but, and, and then Carney Catholic, I know, obviously, uh, Brett Mahoney is the big name there. They've got a few guys back that uh, that have played a, a lot of basketball for them. Dylan Mers and um, Turner Poogie in the backcourt. Uh, you're a schmatter. It's uh, kind of at, some athleticism on the wing, so... They're chugging along there at twenty-one and one, having a great season. So I can't wait. I mean, honestly, we've seen how many how many games has C one teams gone and uh, won against Class B teams. Oh. Uh, again, we had more. Well, of our, our 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 peer, our colleague Mike Sauter says the top four or five in C one would be firmly supplanted in B. Yeah, that, I I don't know. I don't think that uh, that I disagree with that. Uh, you see, back in that kind of the back half of that top ten, they they have strong claims. Uh, so um, I, I can't wait for the, the state tournament C1. Uh, feels like, honestly, we're going to have some good teams left out here because even go further down the list, Ogallala, um, Fort Calhoun has had a really good season, O'Neill, Central City sitting there in 10th place in the coaches' poll at 18-5. Yeah. and five. It's good to see Aiden Zickman this weekend. He stopped yeah. on out to, to go watch uh, some of his summer teammates at Westside. He's grown, too. He's long and strong. 17 a game for them. Yeah, um, he's tough. Kind of the, shooting 36% as kind of the, the number one guy on the scouting report every night as a sophomore. It's pretty impressive. And then you got Gordon Rushville, 19-2, and two, receiving votes, not even in the top 10. So C1 is absolutely loaded, and I, I can't wait for the state tournament. And, st- and let's hop over to A, and, and in manner of victory, and I'm not sure what you think about Pius because I feel like between the two of us it changes about every four days. We're just not sure what to think. And we both were at the Central game, extremely exciting. We'll get to that. But in terms of how Miller North hammered Pius, was was that the most impressive win, or did you like the manner play of something else that got your attention in A? Well, it was interesting uh, that Miller North came back and beat Pius by more than they beat Millard West. Uh, yeah, earlier so those in the rivalries, you just never know. You know, yeah. tensions run high. The kids know each other. There is no awe factor. I mean, quietly, Miller North is starting to put together a nice little run. Yeah. And we talked about them kind of in the middle stretch there. They were looking like, all right, this might be the, the number two team here. Um, and then they suffer the losses. Uh, and so now they're sitting there at 19-2. But, yeah, they're, they're obviously Jason Green is a difference maker. And if they can get just enough – out of those guys not named David Harmon, you get somebody to step up in every given game as that third score. It was Neil Monster in one game. Uh, I think he had four threes against Millard West. It was 
uh, Eli Gaith in the um, in the Pius game. He had twelve off the bench. Um, so it's interesting. It's almost like they flip a coin to see which one of those sophomores is going to have the game. Yeah. We've seen McMorris play Isaiah McMorris play well. Um, we've seen Mosser play well in stretches. We've seen Eli play well. Like who's and it's not like they have to choose between yeah. the three, but just the consistency yeah. to be the the key cog behind Green and Harmon, I think, is going to be interesting. Yeah, and, and it's nice when you have options, but you also would feel maybe a little bit more comfortable With if you consistency. had yeah, somebody that you know you could rely on. And they, that, that Pius game, they, uh, they, actually, they turned the ball over 15 times, yep. but... They forced 22 turnovers for Pius. And the, the, the Haas Rider twins, they combined for 36 points on 15 to 23 shooting. And they got nothing else, basically, outside of them. Um, it, it was, let's see here. Yeah, it was, uh, they had Brady Christensen with eight. And Jackson Kessler and Jared Bohr combined for five uh, in the backcourt. And they got zero off the bench. So here's the interesting thing. And I've been saying this, but I think it's going to really matter, especially for – so everybody kind of has their thing. And, I, and since we're on Miller North, I'll, I'll get to what I think their potential kryptonite can be. Don't love the decision-making and ball handling in the backcourt, right? If they get good backcourt play, that makes that team awful dangerous from a consistency standpoint. And I put that ahead of knocking down shots from three because they haven't shot it well from behind the arc – but the 15 turnovers is – it's high, but it leads me to the bigger point, what I think is distribution and and handling pressure in the backcourt. Well, and David Harmon, uh, he's had a really great season, but he had seven of those turnovers himself, and we saw that uh, at the Metro Tournament with Westside. Against like competition. You really focus in on him, really game plan against him, putting him in difficult situations – is anybody else going to step up to be that lead ball handler to, to make plays for themselves and others? Because we know Harmon is capable of it, but um, we also know that if you can kind of put him in some tough situations, he hasn't really been in that situation quite uh, that much at this level yet. I mean, he's a, the first year starter, uh, his first time playing significant minutes in that role. So he's gone some through some ups and downs as he's worked through that. But it's kind of a situation where if you can really load up against him, I'm just Jason Green's going to get what he's going to get. Like, there's not a whole lot teams in the Metro can do to, to take him away. Yep. Um, he finds a way. Even We saw that multiple times now where even when his team's losing, he's nearly dragged them back into it against both Westside and Bellevue West. Um, but if you can really make things tough on Harmon, then that puts that pressure on those other guys, like you said, to make good decisions and to step up. And um, that, that's, we haven't seen them consistently do that yet. So that, that is, I think, and you mentioned that three-point shooting helps in, in that regard where you can uh, kind of game plan your, your ball screen coverages. Um, you can pressure them a little bit, try to, try to put them into some decision-making situations and, and then kind of attack them that way. Um, but defensively, they've got, they've got a lot of length. you got um, Nick Dolezal next to the green back there that plays uh, hard all the time. He's become kind of an enigma. Yeah, he, he's not a big time scorer, but he'll rebound, he'll block shots, he'll steal, he'll hustle, get to the floor. He's kind of he's, he's a good complement for uh, for Green, I think, in the backcourt. You, you put those two together, and um, it's a lot of length and activity to go against. 
but yeah, he's, uh, hasn't shot the ball, uh, I think, as well as he'd like to this season, obviously. Um, and, and then scoring overall isn't necessarily, I think he's maybe like eight a game, something like that. Uh, but he, he, he does so many other things for them, kind of stuff in the stat sheet uh, and sets the tone defensive-wise. Yeah, it's interesting. When you see a team like Pius shoot 51% from the floor, um, and really the bulk between Hostrader, Jack, and Sam and and and, and uh, Brady Christensen, 80, 62, and 70% respectively, you think it's going to be a closer game than that, but not – taking care of the basketball just too many empty trips well that and Miller North we talked about three points they were five to ten Pius was one of 15 and so that's that's what they they need those guards to knock down threes to 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 create more opportunities for the host riders inside the arc for Sam in particular and Brady Christensen who's been on a monster tear yeah he shot the ball well too I think he shot 80 percent yeah he's four or five uh, but he only got five shots and he's a guy that what he does is he takes advantage of space and attacking mismatches where he, he nominally plays the five for them at 6'6". Six, six. He's kind of their biggest, strongest guy, even though Hostrider's maybe a little bit taller, uh, have a little bit more length. But you get a big on him, and he can uh, stretch him out and go and attack the basket and use his quickness and size that way. And that's kind of what he did against Scott when he had a big game in the second half. And um, So if, there's, if you're not knocking down shots, you don't have to respect those guys on the perimeter. There's not a whole lot you can do if you can put a couple bodies in his way. Um, so that that's that's going to be a big key for Pius heading into the postseason. Can they get consistent shooting out of that backcourt of Bohr and Kessler in, in the big games? Overall, they're uh, shooting pretty decent percentages on the season. They they got to bring in the big games, and they just couldn't get shots to fall uh, on um, on in that game for sure. Let me let's go over to um, uh, the number two ring team. With, with Bellevue West, and, and I'll get to, like, for them, so I talked about the backcourt decision-making and, and, and ball handling for Miller North in addition to the three-point shooting. Bellevue West shoots it well. They've got good depth. For them, I think it's, it's the physicality. How do they want to play? The degree, and toughness is an overstated term, but they have to be able to handle the bumping and the touching and, just the physicality in the backcourt. Not a very meaty team. Now, a rope changes that a little, but not a very sturdy team in the backcourt. Highly skilled, not a very sturdy team. Yeah, and that's what we talked about coming out of that West Side game, going into that Miller North game. And they they did a great job of uh, stepping up in, in that game and, and kind of showing what they're capable of. And obviously the, their schedule has kind of lightened up recently. Uh, they played Benson and Bryan last week, shot a combined 23 of 48 from three, uh, put up, uh, what, uh, 100 and, uh, nearly 100 and, uh, 180 points in two games, yeah. uh, including one playing in a middle school. Uh, I'm sure that was a unique experience for them with Bryan's, uh, court issues at the high school. But, uh, here they go closing out the, 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 the regular season with the game against Central. So you, you talk about. That's a big, it's a good week for, it's a good, good week for Central prep. Um, and we'll talk to Coach Lukey on, on Friday. Um, but for Bellevue West, figuring out the rotation may be something too, right? Just because you have a lot of pieces. And Coach Woodard and that staff will have the luxury to be able to play matchups too. Yeah, talk talk about tough final schedule. You got prep, 
They go. Uh, they play Miller North on Tuesday, and then they go to Central on Saturday. <laughs> Central has Bellevue West, uh, obviously, on Friday, and then Saturday uh, against Prep. As, uh, after coming off West Side, yeah, <laughs> this weekend. That's. Heck, heck of a heck of a way to close out the season, but uh, at least you'll have a, a, a firm measuring stick for yourself about where you are heading into the postseason because you get to play the best of the best. Yeah, and then Westside, I'll give you what I think their Achilles will be, and this is this one's kind of sneaky. I think for them, it will be figuring out the rotations against what caliber of competition, right? So. The substitutions and who's playing and how to get matchups because it's a senior it's a senior laden bunch, but he's got young guys that situationally have lost who lost have won a lot of games, so they're used to winning. That balance will be very interesting, I think, for Westside to figure out because they do have seven or eight guys that on any given night can single handedly get you. Yeah, and we saw uh, they took care of business pretty easily against Grand Island on Saturday. I think the Islanders at that point, they, they competed in the first half. They just kind of ran out of gas in the second half. And West Side's just kind of ball pressure was too much and athleticism. But that game on uh, on Friday night uh, at West Side against Central, they it, it really, like, they were in trouble heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, Jay Dawson threw in that ridiculous half court Which shot. Which one? For the hat, the, the corner under the first quarter might have been better than the half quarter. Like both of those were pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah, he hit tough shot, but at, it was an air ball, and he kind of scooped it from under it the rim at the, and put it at the buzzer. Got it out of his fingertips just in time to beat the buzzer. So yeah, that was a, that was a more impressive athletic feat. But half court contest, like it wasn't just Chuck. Like he had a hand in his face. From the corner, right on the sideline, half, half, at half court, and yeah. threw it directly into the basket. It wasn't like a bank. Like, he switched that thing. Yeah. Like, that, that is just absurd. He had 24 through the first three quarters. And then at one point, I, I believe it was 59-58 uh, central lead in, in the fourth quarter. And then Westside just kind of turned it up. 22 to 10 to finish that game. And yeah. I thought the final four minutes was about the only time that I felt like Westside played hard. Yeah, and it's a bit, a bit of a luxury there to be able to kind of turn things on and, and close it's it out that way. It's a bad habit to get into. Yes, very much so. I, Re- Reggie Thomas, I think, credit to him. Uh, he had a rough first half, didn't, yes, did. didn't score. Second half, he scored 12 points. He had some big shots down the stretch when they were like, all right, guys, it's go time. We got to get back into this game. This thing is slipping away from us. Um, so he kind of got them back in the game. And then you talk about the, those sophomores that won a lot of games. Uh, Caleb Benning and C.J. Mitchell combined for 11 uh, of the 14 they scored together in, in the fourth quarter. C.J. knocked down two big threes, and then I, I'm sure most people listening have probably seen what happened now. Uh, but last possession, Central misses a front end of the bonus, 45 seconds left. They've been sitting in a zone the whole game, 2-3 zone. And that's actually – so Westside hit five threes in the first quarter. They were four of 18 combined in the second and third. That's what a zone does to you. They, they they were getting in the lane and central with their length. They're yeah. not. There aren't many teams that can replicate the length that they can throw out there. Where your shortest guy uh, is Jaden Bullion at six one, who's as wide I as like, he is tall. I, I like him and, and uh, crashing the glass and getting steals and all that they stuff. They played so stinking hard, <laughs> but the the zone did what it's designed to do in the second and third quarter. It, like forced you into threes and. Uh, they weren't falling. And then in the fourth quarter, they came live again. Uh, they hit five more threes. 
Uh, Mitchell hit two of them, and then, again, down, down one with 45 seconds left. They brought the ball down, and credit to Westside. They were patient. Obviously, you're down one. A lot of kids will try to rush and go get the first shot available. They were moving the ball. About three, four different guys touched it. And uh, kind of last sequence here, Caleb Benning, uh, top of the key, swung it to, to C.J. Mitchell, cut through to the right corner. C.J. attacked the, the, the guard on his side, got down to the block, jump stop, kicked it out to Caleb, faded into the corner, knocked it down. Uh, so now you go ahead two with seven, 7.8 seconds left, I believe. Um, and so you got a timeout set up, whatever. Chandler Meeks, full court, uh, up in Jay Dawson's face, and does a good job of showing the hands, sliding his feet. Um, Jay ends up stepping on the sideline, and they, and it's a turnover. So that's that's essentially ball game there. Get in, Tate Oddbody hits, hits both free throws to steal the four-point win there. So um, credit to, again, Reggie Thomas kind they of were, They were probably outplayed for 28 minutes. Maybe twenty nine, and they got off to a good start. So and then things cooled the, off. That's the thing, right? So Westside got off to the good start. I felt like okay, this could get away from them early. Then Central kind of they hit two step back threes, and then kind of the and one where PJ Davis was going to his left, and I'm thinking somehow right now this game is sixteen eleven. This was before the first quarter was over. I felt like Central's shot difficulty was was tough. But that's a game where second chance points, the offensive rebounding from Central. You know, PJ Davis had about a three minute st- stint where he went to work. But then Central kind of got away from Jay Dawson, who I don't know if he ran out of gas or was lack of touches, but he only had the three points in the fourth quarter after, shots. after dominating the first three yeah. quarters with 24 points. Yeah, so it wasn't like he was taking a bunch of shots and just missing. He was one of three from the field, hit a three to, to finish with 27. Uh, but that's the only shot. I didn't he realize he only had three shots in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So that's interesting. And that, I mean, credit to Westside's defense and really making it difficult for them. Um, so that, that was a huge win. A uh, couple ones to run through real quick. Gretna, <laughs> after scoring those big wins, goes and loses to, to Omaha North. Yeah. Um, Second and, time this season. And, and yeah, they, they've uh, fell behind and just weren't able to. To, to get back into that game. And then uh, Papio South uh, beats Elkhorn South pretty easily, 76-64. And that was a – they jumped out to an early lead and just kind of cruised in the second half. So that was a big one we talked about kind of back half of the standings there. Papio South 13-7, and seven, but they climbed to number th- uh, number six in, in the coaches' poll with that win. What's your big game this week? You got you got Gretna Westside. You've got Central Prep. you there's some games. Yeah, that what WS Central. Um, take your pick, any one of those three. Like it's going to be a great final week of the regular season. I'll try to get. Uh, obviously, I'll have the Huskers on Friday, but I'll try to get to a game Tuesday, Thursday, and then multiple on Saturday. Yep, we'll get you covered. You hear the music. I don't want to get ran out of here. Another fantastic episode. The quickest 35 minutes of the week. It's Nebraska Preps post game. That's Jacob Padilla. I'm ODB. Don't you miss us next week. Media Production.